0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. A little review before we get started here. So far this month, we've covered some terms of the theology or the study of the, of the nature of God in relation to his word as revealed by his word. So we've studied predestination, and we've understood now that that doesn't mean that your steps are totally ordered, that everything you do is uh, by design is what God's got set for you. You have a choice. He planned ahead for us, and then we got in and messed up the plan. Uh, Didn't get that, I did. (laughs) Okay, and then we went to propitiation, where we learned about satisfaction. Satisfaction, is that a word? I'm learning I'm learning new words every time I come up here. We learned that, that propitiation actually meant satisfaction. So when Jesus applied his blood to the mercy seat, God was satisfied. He was satisfied with the sacrifice. And then from there we went to reconciliation where we found out that we we're now God was now reconciled to us through that sacrifice. And that we could now be reconciled to God also through that blood that was shed. And then last week we looked at justice, which meant that we were acquitted. So, all these things about God I mean, He planned ahead for us. Through Jesus, He was satisfied. Through Jesus, He was reconciled. Through Jesus, we were justified. We were acquitted. I mean, how much better does it get? We'll find out today. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the blessing you are to us, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who accomplished it all. He is our all in all. By him we come to you boldly. (laughs) Sometimes it just makes me wonder, but just boldly, that we can walk before you like we'd walk before our own earthly fathers and be bold in your presence. Not proud, but bold. We just give you praise in Jesus' name that your word's coming forth. I thank you for anointing me. Thank you for anointing me to speak, others to hear. Father God, that we get the truth out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So last week I thought we might be going into glorification and then Holy Spirit had other ideas, and so we went, so he we had to take down this, this path of redemption and election. Some interesting terms about redemption in the Hebrew. One of the words for redemption is relationship. And I thought that was kind of interesting that that redeemed, you now have a relationship. Another word used in the Hebrew, pidyom, is called a ransom. And this is kind of the term we learn in the Greek. In the Greek, we learn that there's a word, lutrosis, which means ransoming. This is, these are terms that are used in the Bible. There's apolotrosis, which is ransom in full or riddance of a debt. So in, in redemption, our ransom is paid in full and the debt is done, it's remitted, it's riddance. You can't look back on it anymore because it's gone. The other word which really kind of struck me and kind of got me down this path is a purchase out of slavery. And this was a good one. Purchased out of slavery by a ransom payment. And that's exegarazel. So in Galatians 3.13, it says that Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us, from the curse or doom of the law and its condemnation, by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or is crucified. Now, there's kind of an interesting thing that I was, I was reading Bob Yandian's book about this, and there's an interesting thing that he said in there you know, that so when Adam and Eve were born or were created, they were perfect. They had no distance between them and God. Walked, talked in the cool of the evening, if you can imagine that. So then when they committed treason, they became slaves. They became slaves to sin. Scripture talks to us about being slaves to sin. Well, the interesting thing was that children of slaves are slaves. You know, I, when we look back in the American history, and I know people like to look at the American history because of, just because we... We are the way we are. And we look at all the people we brought over from Africa to become slaves in this country. Their children that were born here were also born slaves. So you understand that when when you're born and you're born into the kingdom of darkness, you're a slave to that darkness. So we had to find... We couldn't find our way out of a slave because a slave can't lead you out of slavery. A slave only leads you into slavery. If you remember during the Civil War... There were a lot of slaves who, who fled to the north, and they fought for the Union. But did you know that there was a lot of slaves that stayed in the south and fought for the south? They did. They carried weapons with their, their owners, and they didn't do it because their owner says, you need to come fight with me. They had a slave mentality. And this is the problem with Sin we have a slave mentality and we forget sometimes that we are redeemed. And this is the problem with the church. One of the things in um, um, Kenyon's book, he was saying that if we truly understood redemption, what it truly means about being bought, separated now from slavery and totally free, sickness and disease wouldn't be an issue in the body of Christ. Because see, when when Jesus redeemed us, and God accepted that redeemed us. He everything was put away. Luann and I have been spending a lot of time in the Ephesian prayers. We've been just praying them and praying them and just just seeking God about some things. And one of the things that was in there about the power that is at work in us. We're redeemed, and that power is at work in us. And it just it was so good because I was looking at that. We have been set to a place that God In Christ, the fullness of him in all is in us. So when redemption happened, this is one of the things when I was thinking about glorification. Your spirit is now glorified. I think you need to understand that. See, the spirit of God lives in here. It's no longer darkness. It's glory. We have to understand we have the glory of God living within us. That's what redemption won for us. Now, there's an interesting thing. In the past, that you know, people wonder, well, why, why was this thing about being crucified or hung on a tree? But in times past, in history past, and even in our own country, uh, people that were caught in a crime that was deemed punishable by death were often hung on a tree. We used to hang people and we used to have public hangings. And if you can understand this, they used to sell food and drink and. Yeah, they had concession stands at the gallows. Come watch. But the idea was that a public in the Old Testament, so looks at Deuteronomy 21, just so we get some context here. Deuteronomy 21, 22 and 23. And it says, if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, he is put to death, and afterward you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall surely bury him the same day, for a hanged man is accursed by God. Thus you shall not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. But this, if you look back in there, you find that when Saul was killed, they took Saul and his sons and they hung him on a wall. You find this love because people, they would say, see, this is what happens to you if you cross the line. And so we had to understand that Jesus had to be hung. To understand that Jesus became accursed. I mean, can you imagine being so cursed that you would put up there for all the world to see and people to walk by and mock? That was a part of your redemption. Because by all rights, if you look at what sin was. It was high treason against God. We're the ones that deserve to be up there. I mean, that's how God looked at it. But in Christ, this is what I liked about Kenyon's book. In Christ, Jesus, or God saw us hung on the cross with Jesus. That's why that redemption is so important to us. He saw us hung on the cross with Jesus. You know, he saw our sins. He also saw our diseases. Um, this this is something I, I think we forget. We, we see so many things, and we see th- certain things we see spiritual. This is spiritual, but this is physical. So I'm born again and going to heaven, but I might get there by cancer, or I might get there by whatever disease you want to talk about. That's not what God did. We were redeemed. So when you're redeemed out of slavery... You're redeemed, right? So why do we in the church go around, and I talked about this the other day, about how we go to the aspirin bottle, or we go see the doctor first, and then we go, oh God, oh God, oh God. Redemption covered it all. And we need to understand that. He did not take part of it and say, well, you know, we'll do this for now, but later we'll do something else. No, it's done. We need to get that from our spirit to our heads, our souls. That's why there's the renewing of the mind, right? So how many of you like Westerns? All right. I'm amongst friends. (laughs) Do any of you remember the movie, uh, Support Your Local Sheriff? So in that movie, there's a movie where he's captured Bruce Dern, taking him to jail. But he's taken him to a jail that has no bars. There's no bars on the door and there's no bars on the window. But beforehand, he'd gone and got some red paint and he would drippled it in front of the, just outside of the, where the bars would be. And uh, so he takes Bruce Dern and he throws him in this jail that has no bars or no, windows on the, or no bars on the windows. And he says, well, what's gonna keep me here? And I forget exactly how it's put, but he says, then he looks down and he sees this red on the floor. And he says, well, what's that? Well, that's from the last guy that tried to get out of here. So Bruce Dern throws himself back in the jail cell and sits in the corner. And then later, he helps put the bars in the door, and the windows. Christians, redeemed. How many of us have decided to get, sit back in that jail cell with no bars or windows? And then decided later on, well, maybe I better help put some bars in windows up there. And then when somebody came to help rescue him, you remember how his dad and brothers came to rescue him? Wrapped the ropes around the bars, and they took off and tore their saddles off their horses. Set, set them too deep. Well, how do you know they're so good? Well, I helped put them in. See, we when we understand true redemption, we understand that God opened the doors. We shouldn't be going, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of safe in here. Hmm. No, it's open. Yeah, but, you know, I kind of like being in here because, you know, I'm safe. I'm safe with my own little thoughts. I'm safe with my own little... And we forget that we're free. Anyway, I recommend the movie. It's good. <laughs> so, let's go to 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two. But as you can see with that Bruce Dern, he decided to remain a slave. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, and I'm in the Amplified. It says, for just as or because of their union of nature in Adam, all people die. So also by virtue of their union of nature shall also in Christ be made alive. Only one thing is keeping us in slavery, slavery is our attitude towards Jesus. We know by faith, if we accept Jesus, his redemptive work is as our own, not our own works and goodness. Then we are born again and set free from sin and disease. Set free from sin and disease. You know, I I didn't think of this going along these lines, but as I started to look at it, this redemption covers so much. And we have put it in a box. And we've said, you know, we've talked about how men think and how women think, and men think. In linear and I've got this thing I'm thinking about it's in this box and then like if you're asked to do something else you have to put that box down and pick up that box about what you're going to do and that's what we do and that's how we can focus on the things that we do well (laughs) too often we put this part of redemption in this box and we put this part of redemption in this box and we put this part of redemption in this box and so we think about we're redeemed so i know i'm going to heaven that's good i'm going to heaven i'm going to heaven well yeah what about prosperity well just a minute i got to think about this i'm going to heaven what about your healing just, just a minute i'm thinking about this i'm going to heaven and the problem is because we think that way too many of us get there early way earlier than we were supposed to we need to think about redemption as a total package what Jesus did on that cross to satisfy God, his, to satisfy that need for that sacrifice, and to reconcile us to Him under the plan that God has had for us, had to do with that redemptive work on the cross when He hung up there, because in that time He saw us hung with Jesus. I can't put that over enough. He saw us, He saw our diseases, He saw our sin, He saw our poverty. He saw our hate, he saw our fear hung on Jesus. And I think you people forget. I forget. When he hung on that cross, he was alone. The first time in his life he was alone. And he's up there for the world to see he's been beaten. He doesn't even look, Josephus says he doesn't even look like a man. And people are mocking him, spitting on him, laughing at him, come on down Jesus come on down you could save others, why not yourself but you know he saw us there too and he took it for us so when we look at redemption, it is not a cheap thing that's why sometimes I think and I see this in myself so much if I compartmentalize redemption into too many different boxes I don't look at it as a whole And so when I think about redemption, sometimes I don't understand that my healing is there. My prosperity is there. My relationships are there. My love is there. It's all there. But if I don't take it as a package, I parse it out, and then when sickness comes along, I have to think about, where did I put that box? I mean, seriously, we do. Where did I put that box? See, when we take the word as a whole, I know when I was talking about the bride, I said we have a contract. This, this is our contract with God and with Jesus. He's our husband. So this is our contract with him. In this contract, he gives us everything. How many of us truly understand he gives us everything? Yeah, but you haven't seen my checking account. Yeah, but you haven't seen the boils on my skin or whatever, you know. We do. We see things in the physical And we let that affect us. It affects our thoughts about what redemption truly means. Well, if I was really redeemed, this wouldn't be happening to me. No. What do you believe? It's part of that that idea of spending time in the word. Because if, if you... Here's an interesting thing. If you sign a contract without reading it, are you still responsible for the terms of the contract? You are. So Jesus signed a contract for us in which he is bound by his part of the contract. You need to understand you are bound by the same contract. You're bound. But if you don't understand the terms of the contract... If you don't understand the terms of your redemption, if I don't understand those terms, then I'm out there walking with this perfectly good contract, but I'm getting into debt with others. I'm walking around with this perfectly good contract, but because I don't know the terms, I'm sick. Okay, Romans 5.10, Romans 5.10, in the Amplified, it says, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. It is much more certain now that we are reconciled, that we shall be saved daily, delivered from sin's dominion, through his resurrection life see we face life daily scripture says forgetting those things which lay behind we press forward to the high mark of the calling of christ jesus right the mark of the high calling in christ jesus but you know how many times do we look to the back the past the other day we were talking about old cures I think we were talking with our daughter-in-law about old cures. You know, they used to take goose grease on a feather and stick it down your throat for a sore throat. Do you know they actually had kids drink kerosene? Because it kills everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cooling the kid. It was just a teaspoon. But, but no, I, we, we look back. And so this is why I was talking about redemption. If we keep looking back at the old cures... We don't see the new medicine well if we keep looking back at the old sin and disease we don't look at the new promise daily it's a daily thing see today I wake up how do I feel is it different than I felt yesterday does it make any difference no I'm here now I'm here today an interesting thing that uh, Bobby Andian says in eternity, a person will be judged as a branch attached to a tree, not a separate stalk. So which tree are you attached to? We know the scriptures talked about being grafted in. And uh, let's, let's go to Romans 11. I knew I marked that for a reason. Mark 11, starting at verse 17 what did I say, Mark? No, I said Romans. 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 Stay with me. You're doing good. <laughs> you know right where I wanted to go. So Romans eleven seventeen, 17, excuse me, through 23. And he says, And if some of the branches were broken off, talking about the, Jew, the Jews that were disobedient, while you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share the richness of the root and the sap of the olive tree. Do not boast over the branches and pride yourself at their expense. If you do boast and feel superior, remember it is not you that support the root, but the root supports you. And It says, you will say then, branches were broken, pruned off, so that I might be grafted in. And that's true. They weren't supposed to be broken off, but they were. That is true. But they were broken, pruned off, because of their unbelief, their lack of real faith. And you are established through faith because you do believe. So do not become proud and conceited, but rather stand in awe and be reverently afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches. Because of unbelief. Neither will he spare you. If you are guilty of the same offense. Then note and appreciate the gracious kindness. And the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen. But God's grace is kindness to you. Provided you continue in his grace. And abide in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And then those Others, the fallen branches, the Jews, if they do not persist in clinging to their unbelief, they can be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. The strong part about this is that when we became born again, one of the things we have to remember is, how many of you have ever grafted uh, branches into trees? I know Ron has. Herb, because he did that fruit farm down in... Fruit farm. <laughs> But you understand, in in grafting, you cut that branch off of the old tree and you make a slit in part of a branch of a new tree and you stick it in there and then you tie it in. And it eventually becomes that tree. It gets its life and support from that tree. And that's what God did through Christ. He grafted us in. And now we are his children. And so we are judged as the tree not as the stock of the tree. So the interesting thing is, if we look at that being grafted in, why do we forget who we are? I, I, I keep going over this, but this is part of the problem that we have in the church. I've experienced this so much um, in the last year with the things that have happened. I've experienced a time of depression. Oh, what's changed? You know, is God still on the throne? Am I still grafted in? I mean, it's natural to feel sad. But you know when you get to that place when you don't want to do anything? You know when you walk into a a room and you see like 20 different things you could be doing? And you just shut the door? Been there. I forget that I don't have to be that way. Because I'm redeemed. But sometimes I forget the terms of the contract. And so I allow myself to look back on the old contract of sin. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? See, if I don't do this, I let my wife down. If I don't do this, I let the pastor down. If I don't do this, I let the altar care team down. If I don't do this, and it starts becoming, you know, But if I'm free in Christ, if I understand I'm free in Christ, then what I do is, forgetting those things which lay behind, I press forward. And in that, I understand what the contract says, and so the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. And looking at those things that are ahead of me, then instead of trying to do all 20 tasks, I do one at a time. (laughs) So it's important to think about those things, about being who you are in Christ, that you are going to be judged as a branch attached to a tree. Do not separate yourself from the tree. So redemption brings us to a point called election. Now, election, because we're redeemed, we come to a place called election. Now, some people use the word called, Some people use the word chosen. So, election in the Greek means elect. It also, that's electos, but elegomai means chosen or called. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 14, he says, for many are called, invited and summoned, but few are chosen. Now, people often look at that and they look at predestination. He says, well, God decided that Uh, He's going to go to hell, and uh, he's going to go to heaven. And we understand from where all he did is he planned out salvation. He didn't plan out who's going where. But when you're born again and you're redeemed, now comes the thing called election. You're called. Every person in this body, every person online that is a born-again believer has a calling on their life. You need to understand that you have a calling. You say, well, I don't know what my calling is. Fast and pray, you'll find it. <laughs> but honestly, it's something that's inside you that you know you want to do. God has put that in you to do something, right? So you have this calling. But there becomes a time of choosing. Now in 1 Peter 2.9... He says, but you are a chosen race. You understand, you understand that? You're now a new race. Every one of us here is a new race. You are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The part about this I thought was so good, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, we are elected because we're in the elect. We're not elected because we're so good, but we're elected, called the elect, because we're in the elect. Jesus was called the elect. In Isaiah 42, 1, God was speaking and he's prophesying. He says, Behold my servant whom I hold my elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice and right and reveal the truth to the nations. 1 Peter 2.6 And this is in the King James Version. 1 Peter 2.6 It says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, that he that believes on him shall not be confounded. We are the elect. You had nothing to do with that outside of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior and taking his sacrifice as your own. But because of that, you're the elect. Now, when I was studying this, you know, something Bob Yandian had said, and then something the Lord laid in my heart. But Bob Yandian, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but he was talking to a minister who um, had come out or had come into the church, and he walked into his office and went and he says, you know, Bob, Reverend Bob, he says, I feel called to preach. Okay, that's good. No you, no, you don't understand. I'm called to preach in the pulpit. Well, Okay, that's that's good. No, you don't understand. You need to take me and put me up front so that I can preach my gift. And so then Bob asked him, he says, so how much time have you spent in uh, children's church? No, you don't understand. I'm a preacher. That's not the point. How much time have you spent in children's church? How much time have you spent with the youth? How much time have you spent visiting the elderly and the sick? That's not my calling. Yeah, it's probably not your choosing either. There's a difference between calling and choosing. And I was thinking about this in a difference between Pastor Sean and myself. Pastor Sean felt... From what he's told me and what he's ministered from the pulpit that he had a call early in his life before he was really understood what salvation was but he had a call to preach so did I my wife wanted to marry a pastor I wanted to be a pastor there's a calling there it's not that I wanted to because look at me I'm a pastor I wanted to because there's something in me to minister the gospel. At that time, I was in the Lutheran church, and so I didn't understand all that was going on as far as being a pastor. I've learned much since that point. (laughs) But the interesting thing is the time between calling and choosing is a time in the desert. You know, the Jews, when they were brought out of Israel, out of Egypt, and they were on their way to Israel. That's a 40-day walk, right? So a 40-day walk, in that walk, they come out of Egypt, and Pharaoh's army's on their tail. They come to the Red Sea. And when you look, there's a, when you look where they came, there's no way out because it's in this valley. So you can't scatter. They're taken down to the Red Sea. So, two choices Israel has. Okay, God, mighty God, what are you going to do for us here? We're ready to go. Or, why did you bring us out here to die? We're going to die. So, God tells Moses to raise his rod. Do you understand? Don't forget this. God told Moses to raise his rod. He did not part the Red Sea until that rod was raised. Man has his place. They go across the Red Sea. Oh, we're glorious. We're on the side. We're singing songs. This is great. Forty days across the desert. We're so thirsty. See, there's a difference between we're so thirsty and God. You said you're going to bring us out here. I'm looking for your provision. What is it? Water out of a rock? Praise God. You didn't hear them say that. They just drank the water. God, I'm so hungry. Manna, oh, this is really cool, every morning. Manna again. Quail again. I mean, this is only 40 days. They could have fasted for 40 days. But God provided them for 40 days to get over there. They were called. You are called to go into and take over the land. They get over there. Send in the spies. The spies come back with these I can't imagine, I have a hard time imagining this. I've seen people carry deer on poles between them. But I have never seen anybody that had to carry grapes that way. They brought back evidence of the goodness of the land that God had called them to. But because 10 of them looked and they saw giants, we're just grasshoppers in our our own sight. Not in their sight, but in our own sight. And so they took the lies of the ten, the ten um, spies. And re- they wanted to stone the two that told them it was good. Do you, ever, do you see any correlation about, you know, do you know the goodness of God? Ah, a, people don't understand the goodness of God. They look at the way people are today. So all this happens, and then when they find out that God says, nope, you're going back out in the desert, and this generation is going to die. Well, no, we're going to go in there and take it now. And as we know, they went and got their tails kicked. And they ended up going back out in the desert for 40 years. And they said, this generation from 20 and under will see it. But the generation from 21 or over 20 and above, they're not going to see it. So for 40 years, they're in the desert. And then they got back. The Jordan was rolled back. They walked into Jericho. They walked around it and sang. And they blew trumpets and the walls came down. See, this is what was supposed to happen 40 years ago. That's what was supposed to happen 40 years ago. Well, here's the difference between calling and choosing. It's your time in the desert. So, Pastor Sean took a route in the desert. They brought him to the place of Ramah. So he had to learn there. It brought him to the church that he was into as a youth pastor. This is years. This is years. And then one day God says, all right, now you're separated. Now you're chosen. So from calling to choosing, there's a time. So in my life, I have this calling. My problem is I let the cares of the world come in. I began to forget about what my redemption was. <laughs> I mean, I began to look at things like, well, can I take the family somewhere? Can I leave my family here? You've got to understand, I'm a local kid. My entire life has been lived in the Yellowstone River Valley. Big Timber, to Billings, to Park City, family, Livingston, that's my life. All my family is here. I made a choice. And by making that choice, now see, Romans 11, uh, 23, I believe it is, it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So the gift and the calling never left me. You know how frustrating that can be? You know, But I made a choice. I didn't let God take me into that place that I could go through the desert. I did go through the desert, but it was my way. So if I'm going to go through the desert my way, then my choices affect how we're going to do this. And so by going this way in the desert with the gift and calling that was on me I'm working in a warehouse I'm working in a refinery 20 some years in a refinery I ministered to a few people, prayed with a few people (laughs) but there I was I was in a, a church too long Because I felt that I was supposed to be there and help. Help. I'm supposed to be a help. I stayed there five years too long. You know what happens when you stay someplace too long? Not necessarily by God. Sometimes you get the left foot of fellowship by the place you're in. Calm down, (laughs) ushers. (laughs) But it happens. And so now you're out there wondering now, what do I do, God? Now, what do I do? You've put this in me. Well, you take another trip through the desert. Actually, you've never left the desert, (laughs) you're just wandering around. You do. How many times did they go around? They must have known that mountain like. Yep, there's that rock. (laughs) Seen that one before. So here's the difference in all our lives. Every one of us has a calling. Every one of us is elect. Every one of us has a calling and there's a choosing. But what are we doing with it? That is the difference in anybody's ministry. Now we learned that God, Jesus, did not call us Christians. He called us ambassadors. He called us sons. He called us priests. He called us kings. But too often we just settle on the Christian. We do. Which isn't a bad thing in Christ. But we forget what all that means. All those words that God identified us with, can you identify yourself as a king, as a priest, as a child of God? I mean, that's that's where I had to be to identify myself with God, with the redemptive work of Christ, that I could walk into his throne room, I had to make a choice. My choice needed to be back here, whatever God. And the thing is it can't be lip service. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Yep, God, we're going. Whatever, God. Uh, just a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, God. We're on the way. You bet. Uh, um, can you hold on just a minute? This is what we do. This is what I've done. When you do things like that, you retra- you go around the mountain. How many times do you want to go around the mountain? And I'll tell you what, I don't care if you're a grade school kid, I don't care if you're in your 90s. The gift and calling that God has put in your life is there. It has not left according to Romans 11. It is without repentance. In other words, he does not pull it back. But somewhere in here, we, I, need to get out of the desert. I need to look at the promised land over here And step in Are you willing to step in I mean you can get comfortable out in the desert You can you can wander around out there and like I say there's that rock I know that rock. That's a good rock I know every time I come by here. I'll see that rock Are you ready to be chosen? Are you ready to be chosen? That's the question that is asked to me and to every believer. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are called. Are you going to accept what he's got for you? Are you going to be the chosen? Time in the desert is never wasted. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's hard on the flesh. But it's never wasted unless you waste it. And the only way you can waste it is when you're getting closer to the Jordan, getting closer to crossing over, that you look back here and you say, "Eh, maybe it's better the devil I know than the goodness of God I don't know. Comfort. We like our comfort. We like our comfort. So today, my last message today, predestination God has planned ahead for you. He is satisfied. He is at peace with us. We are acquitted. And today you know that you are redeemed and you are called. You are called. Amen.